Good evening. You're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. I'm Brandon Kondritz, and this is WNUR News at 6. Tonight, a look into the 81st annual Dolphin Show, Stanley Cups, but not the trophy, the Colleen Hoover craze broken down, and this week's NU Sports Report. Those stories and more coming up from Northwestern University. This is WNUR News at 6. Last weekend, the Dolphin Show premiered its 81st annual production, Kinky Boots. Jessica Watts sat down with the show's team to find out what makes this year special. This weekend marked the opening of America's largest student-produced musical, Northwestern's 81st annual Dolphin Show. This year's show, Kinky Boots, which follows the story of Charlie Price, who inherits his family's shoemaking company after his father's death. Price, who would rather do pretty much anything than make shoes, has a change of heart when he meets Lola, a drag queen from London. Through upbeat songs about shoes and heart-wrenching ballads about not living up to expectations, Charlie and Lola revolutionize the idea of drag queens and unite unlikely friends. Starring as Lola in this year's production, fourth-year theater student Mateos Barbie has dreamed of this moment for a long time. I've been telling everyone, like, this is my dream role. Like, I have wanted to play this for years. I brought in material from this show for, like, my music theater classes, like, as a sophomore. So, like, I have really, like, this show has been really close to me for a really long time. Freshman theater and economics student Diane Lee, who plays Nicola in the show, was also excited to find out that she made the bill. Dolphin Show was one of my top choices, and I was really, really happy that I got casted as Nicola. And when I saw the cast list come out, I basically, like, was running down my stairs, like, in my dorm room. And it was a really, really surreal moment, and I was really excited to start the process. Kinky Boots gained major success on Broadway for its boundary-breaking presence. Winning six Tony Awards, including one for Best Musical, its popularity was hard to ignore. One of the main themes in Kinky Boots is the idea of acceptance and how it relates to gender norms and what it truly means to be a man or a woman. For Barbie, the story hits close to home. I can just say, like, it is really rare for Black queer men to get to be at the center of a story and to have their identity validated by the story and not made a mockery of, not made a fool of, but to be explored as human beings is really beautiful. I'm so grateful for um, Billy Porter, who originated the role, Jay Harrison Gee, who I've taken a lot of inspiration from, who recently became the first non-binary actor um, to win uh, Best Actor in a Musical at the Tony Awards. I feel so grateful for them doing this first so that I have the opportunity as an undergraduate to play a role that is so unapologetically proud of my identity. Um, And that's just something that I've never gotten to experience before to this level. All of the characters in the musical are changed upon Lola's arrival, as she teaches them how to be comfortable in their own skin and accept everyone for who they are. Lola is changed too, by connecting with Charlie despite seemingly being from entirely different worlds. Lola and Charlie discover that they are maybe not that different, and look great doing it. 
With almost 200 students involved in making this show a success, the costumes, set design, and performances are truly one of a kind. Ryan Nguyen, along with Daniel Matone and Rachel Olkin, produced this year's Dolphin Show, which started preparations back in February of 2023. Nguyen, who has been involved in the Dolphin Show since his freshman year at Northwestern, spoke about what it has been like to watch the show come to life. It's just so crazy to see, you know, like what started with just the three of us and like in our initial brainstorm and everything kind of led to, you know, over 180 people on the team and this huge, massive production with like thousands of people coming to see. So that's really, really special. And like a really like that's something that's really going to stick with me for a while. Everyone has like makes such large contributions to the team. And it's so great being able to like meet everyone and correspond with everyone and kind of see how all the different pieces really come together over the year. I think that's like a really special thing with Dolphin is kind of like the community aspect. And, you know, we have people from all different schools and, and majors and backgrounds, but, you know, everyone, we're all coming together to bring kinky boots to Northwestern. Mark Park, wigs, hair, and makeup designer and supervisor, helped bring all of the iconic looks from Broadway to life on the Khan Auditorium stage, but this time a little differently. It's actually so interesting because I think we took zero inspiration from the original Kinky Boots. Our director wanted to set this rendition, this version of Kinky Boots today in the year 2024, um, in, but the original Kinky Boots was set back in around like 2012. So I didn't take any inspiration from those designs because I felt like drag has evolved so much since then that it wouldn't make sense for me to take any ideas from that. And we eventually decided, since the show is about the boots, it's about the heels, and it's called Kinky Boots, uh, we thought everything should be derived from the boots. Some people go for the fashion, some people for the music, and some for the people in the show. But why should you go see Kinky Boots? Like you're gonna come for fabulous drag queens, and you're gonna stay for a story about heart, about friendship, about family and connection. Lola's first line that she sings in the show is "Leave expectations out the door." Um, so I kind of want to tell that to the audience too, to like kind of leave your expectations out the door and just come on in and just have your have your mind open and your hearts ready to kind of be changed. For WNUR News, I'm Jessica Watts. Thanks, Jess. You can see The Dolphin Show, Kinky Boots, this weekend for the last time, Friday and Saturday in Khan Auditorium. It seems like Stanley Cups have been everywhere recently, but not the championship trophy, the water bottle. Why do people like them so much? And why do people have so many? Ella Barnes set out to find the answer. When I say Stanley Cup, what do you think of? Do you think about the championship trophy awarded annually to the National Hockey League playoff champion? Or do you think about the water bottle? Chances are, if you're active on the internet, it's the latter. It seems like Stanley Cups, the water bottle kind, have skyrocketed in popularity over the past few months. All over the U.S., from suburbia to college campuses, the cup has become the accessory of the season. After the 2023 holidays, when the cup was a wildly popular gift or stocking stuffer, it seems nearly inescapable. People will spend hundreds of dollars on resale platforms to obtain a special holiday edition like Target's Valentine's Day drop. People will show them off online and in person for the admiration of others. 
Today, I talked to people who own Stanley's to figure out what all the rage is. So we're probably gonna hear some kinky boots um, going on because that's where we are right now. Could you tell me your name? Tiger Lee, and I'm working on kinky boots with you. All right, fabulous. Um, okay, so you have a Stanley cup. I do. So I chat up with Tiger who got their Stanley for Christmas. They share that they would not have gotten a cup otherwise though because a Stanley cup can run for 40 to $50. How do I say this? I feel like a lot of impressionable people online tend to latch onto trends that think they think will make them cooler or happier based on what like, you know, like influencers and people on like, just like people who have a platform will tell them, which is not the healthiest mindset to have. And I feel like they promote a lot of things that are very mid and make them seem mm -hmm. like they're these amazing things when they're really not. And I think the Stanley Cup is no exception to that. Let's Tiger say, also mentioned knowing least, that yeah. the high and, cost of Stanley's um, are part of their that, appeal. Like, people, like, that's why I think Supreme was such a big brand, because once you wore it, everyone was like, oh, like it's a red logo, it looks stupid, but they have money. And I think Stanley Cup, maybe that's not the whole story, but that's definitely part of it. My name is Sarah Charles Lewis, S-A-R-E-H-C-H-A-R-L-E-S-L-E-W-I-S. I do have a Stanley Cup. I actually have two. Sarah, unlike Tiger, was overall very positive about the cups. Water is so cold. Like when I want to have crisp water in the middle of the night, I fill it up with ice at the dining hall and then I fill it up with water and I have ice in the morning too. And it's so nice. Not only is the insulation of the bottle a selling point for Sarah, but the cup's ability to hold a large quantity of water, the straw and the handle were all attractive factors. She also said that she finds herself drinking more water on a regular basis because of the cup. Please. I'm Anna Rico. Do you have a Stanley Cup? I do. I have multiple. So first one I bought, and then I won one at a grad party, and then I got another one as a grad gift, and then my grandmother gave me one. Okay. Yeah. Do you think you use them all, like, frequently? I use two of them frequently. I used to use the third one a lot, like, at home, but, like, now since coming to college, I don't use it as much. But two of them I use, like, all the time. My T1 and my, like, classic handle Stanley. The Stanley website separates its bottles into three categories. Quenchers, ice flows, and water bottles. Water bottles are the general catch-all. In the Stanley taxonomy, all ice flows and quenchers are water bottles, but not all water bottles are ice flows or quenchers. Ice flows are, according to the manufacturer, tailored towards cold drinks and have a flip lid. Quenchers, the company's flagship bottle, have built-in straws and handles. Yeah. Do you think there's like an aesthetic value to the Stanley Cup as well, like carrying it around? Sometimes yes. Sometimes I'm like, yes, woohoo, carrying my Stanley. But sometimes it's annoying, like especially if it's cold. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be carrying it and my hand will get really cold. So some days I like choose to not bring my Stanley because my hand has to be exposed and it's really cold. But yes, I, I, I think it, there is an aesthetic value to it for sure. <laughs> To get more insight on what the Stanley landscape is like in suburbia, I talked to my sister. Amelia Barnes. And learn okay, about what's hip about them with the ninth graders in high school. My French class and stuff, there's like a lot of girls in my French class who have them. And they come in with like, they probably have like three or four different ones. I don't get the point of it because they're expensive. So... <laughs> But, like, they all have, like, different colors. And, like, they... Some people, like, match them with their outfits. It's, like, crazy. <laughs> water bottle fads are no new thing. Stanley is just the latest receptacle to get wrapped in the reusable water bottle trend. 
Hydro flasks, swells, awalas, yetis, and camelbacks are some trendy water bottles for the past couple of years. I, I really think, though, like, it took off because, like, it was trendy. And I really don't know why it was trendy, but, um... Mm-hmm. That's Anna again. Um, like, the one that I use all the time was, like, a like a raffle item, which I don't think ever would have been in a raffle if it wasn't, like, a hot new thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's... It's very interesting that it's now, like, children have, like, collections of them because it's, like, a big internet thing. A question has been burning in my mind since I began to learn about the large-scale reach of the Stanley. Is the trend on the cusp of a decline? Here's what Amelia had to say about the question. I mean, I don't think it's on the decline because people, like, I will walk into school and then, like, or like into a class and then someone would be like, Oh my god, yeah, guys, look, I just got I just got a Stanley and like it's still happening. Like my friend got one today. She was like, I finally got a Stanley. So I don't think it's on like the decline. I just think that it's not gonna be like a like a hot, like trendy thing. It's just probably just gonna be a water bottle people buy and it's not gonna be like crazy. This story about Stanley Cups has kind of turned into a never-ending rabbit hole of angles to view the story through. There's just, like, so much to cover. The marketing genius, uh, the sustainability questions of collecting reusable water bottles, the Black Friday-like squabbles in Target over the new editions of the cups, the fact that children are getting Stanleys instead of toys for Christmas. All I have to say right now, go drink some water. Whether it's out of a Stanley is your prerogative. Reporting for WMUR News, I am Ella Barnes. Thanks, Ella. I am quite thirsty right now listening to that story, so I'm going to have to go get a sip of water after this. Not from a Stanley Cup. I don't own one of those, but thinking maybe I need to, to hop on the trend now. From YouTube to TikTok, author Colleen Hoover has caused quite the stir in online reading communities. Basil Free and Izzy Perea investigate why that's happened one of the most popular authors right now, also has to be one of the most controversial. Colleen Hoover is one of the most popular authors in America. I'm not sure if you guys know this, but I'm not a very big fan of Colleen Hoover. While walking through bookstores or scrolling through TikTok, it's hard to ignore Colleen Hoover's presence in literary spaces. You can often find her eye-catching covers on Target shelves or her name popping up on year-end lists across BookTube, a sub-community of YouTube dedicated to literature. In 2022, her books outsold the Bible, according to Today, and at one point, six of her novels simultaneously occupied the New York Times' top 10 paperback bestseller list. Named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People last year, Hoover's popularity has only been on the rise. With a movie based on her most popular novel, It Ends With Us, set to come out this year, we decided to investigate all the commotion surrounding her books, both good and bad. I've heard of quite a few, I think, but I think... um... I've read three, and they are Verity, It Ends With Us, and It Starts With Us, which is the sequel to It Ends With Us that recently came out. That's Medill sophomore Melissa Dye. Like many readers of Hoover's novels, Dye was initially influenced by social media to pick up the books. To see like so many people raving about books and reviewing books and giving book re- recommendations, that just like made me want to read much more like that's what initially got me into it and Colleen Hoover is like a huge huge presence on TikTok. Speaking specifically on It Ends With Us, 
one of Hoover's most popular books. Di said the novel provided her the entertainment necessary to get her out of a reading slump. It was a good book, in my opinion, in terms of, like, how dynamic the plot was and, like, character building and all of that. I feel like the plot was somewhat predictable, but it was also... It was also, I think, I personally think it was well done. Others were more critical about Hoover's literary stylings. For Weinberg's sophomore Yang Yu Huang, poetry editor of Northwestern's Halicon Literary and Arts magazine, Hoover's treatment of character and plot and it ends with us particularly bothered her. I think something that really irked me about her writing was just all her descriptions felt very predictable. Um, and also they were often reused. So you would see, you would be reading kind of the same description of the same character over and over again throughout the novel, which didn't really add to your understanding of the character or further the plot in any way that I could really see. Knox College junior Maisie Quinlan similarly had her own qualms about Hoover's writing and character choices in reviewing her best-selling title, Ugly Love. I've told people that I've never like regretted reading a book until this one. Like I really wish that I just like out of sight, out of mind. Um, it upset me. The characters upset me. The writing upset me. <laughs> I like just didn't really like it. It was not my thing. One major criticism Hoover's books have received is their potential romanticization of abuse and toxic relationship dynamics, something Quinlan cited as a reason for her personal wariness of them. And a lot of the relationships are like very unintentionally like just forms of abuse. I think she never really portrays like healthy relationship dynamics and so I I don't even feel comfortable like labeling most of her books as romance just because like they're not this is misleading at best college of dupage junior ethan burden found himself irritated by the plot of hoover's it ends with us from the very beginning prompting him to put down the book soon after starting it so I started reading it about a month ago, and I read the first chapter, and I absolutely cannot read it anymore. I, I don't know, everything that you don't want a book to be, or at least that I don't want a book to be, it got thrown at me in the first chapter. Despite her popularity, Hoover's writing has become a divisive topic across social media platforms and online book communities alike, contributing to the general air of confusion and intrigue surrounding her novels. The whole internet was talking about her and her books, and reviews were very polarizing, and I just wanted to see for myself. I kept seeing like a bunch of hate videos for this book specifically, but then also TikTokers that I follow were like reading it and they liked it. And I was like really confused. I have a friend who I was talking to yesterday about this and she was like, oh, I love Colleen Hoover books. And I'm like, really? And I think people deserve better, but I don't know. I don't know why people like them. I really don't. Because of her widespread presence throughout the internet, Hoover's novels tend to skew towards a younger audience. As to why much of Generation Z has picked up a book or two, Huang said that Hoover's writing widely appeals to those who merely want to be entertained. Sometimes I just want a light read, something that I don't really have to think about. I can just enjoy the plot, enjoy characters, um, and have something fun to do after a long day of work. And I think that the reason that so many people are drawn to Colleen Hoover is because she provides she doesn't make the reader have to think. With the movie adaptation of It Ends With Us set to release in June of this year, fans of Hoover's are already eager to buy their tickets. For Di, however, the Justin Baldoni and Blake Lively starring film has yet to really cross her mind. I haven't been following it, but it does sound interesting. And also, I like Blake Lively, so we'll see. For WNUR News, I'm Izzy Perea. And I'm Basil Free.
In the last week alone, Northwestern sports saw thrilling wins, heartbreaking losses, and some postponements. But there is even more to come. Another sport is re-entering the fray this coming week. Here's Gabe Shumway with the Northwestern Sports Report. Hello, I'm Gabe Shumway here with your NU Sports Report on everything from this past week. For starters, we have three basketball games to report back on. The women's team was away in East Lansing last Wednesday for a matchup at Michigan State. The Spartans came out of the gates hot with a 10-point lead after the first quarter and a 22-point lead at halftime. The Cats tried to claw back with 18- and 15-point contributions from juniors Melanie Daly and Haley Weaver off the bench. But alas, Michigan State clinched a 91-72 victory. Their next matchup will be at home on Thursday against Penn State. Tip-off begins at 7 p.m. The men's team had two games over the past week and went 1-1 one one in those two matchups. Last Wednesday's meeting against Maryland at Welsh Ryan ended in a nail-biting three-point victory for the Cats. Graduate student Boo Booey led the way in scoring and assists with 20 and 7, respectively. Junior Brooks Barnheiser nabbed five steals alongside 15 points of his own. The team's trip to Nebraska on Sunday did not end in the same fate, however. Nebraska went on a run to start out the second half, netting an 11-point lead less than three minutes in and never looked back. They came out on top, 75-69. to Barnheiser delivered another excellent game with 24 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 steals. The team will square off at home tonight against Illinois. The game tips off at 8 p.m. against AP's number 10 team in the nation. But there's much more to cover in the winter sports season at Northwestern, with a meet for both the swimming and diving teams. Both the men's and women's teams congregated in Evanston last Saturday for a matchup with the Wisconsin Badgers. Both teams suffered a similar fate, with a loss of 160 to 139 for the men and 193 to 106 for the women. However, the men's team is regarded highly by some as they received two votes but just missed out on the top 25 in December's CSCAA polls for Division I swimming. Both teams will have a two-day meet on February 2nd and 3rd with Purdue, Minnesota, and Iowa at Purdue. The wrestling season is also in full swing, albeit with a postponement of last Saturday's match with Illinois. The team, however, has two home matches this week where they'll seek their first victory of the season. The first is on Friday at 7 p.m. opposite Nebraska and the second will be on Sunday at 2 p.m. where they'll square off with Iowa. The defending national champions will take the field again on Sunday as the women's lacrosse season begins for Northwestern. The team will be seeking their ninth championship in school history and their first back-to-back championship season since 2011 and 2012. Their first game is an exhibition against Stanford at Ryan Fieldhouse, beginning at 1 p.m., That wraps up your NU Sports Report for this week. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the Wildcats live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Gabe Shumway, WNUR News. Now for a brief look at the forecast. 
It's currently 36 degrees and still sprinkling along the lakefront. Tomorrow you can look for a lot of the same. It'll be foggy in the morning with clouds and rain sticking around throughout the day. On Friday, the sun will peak out and temps will climb into the 40s before heading into a cloudy weekend. Taking a look into the headlines in Evanston, Chicagoland, and across the nation and globe, the U.S. Department of Education opened an investigation into Northwestern today. The department's Office of Civil Rights is looking into NU's compliance with Title VI of the Nationwide Civil Rights Act following claims that the university didn't appropriately respond to anti-Semitic incidents. The complaint was filed by Zachary Marshall, the editor-in-chief of a self-proclaimed, quote, conservative watchdog, end quote, of higher education. NU spokesperson told The Daily, Northwestern, the university will comply with the investigation and confirmed the complaint was not filed by a member of the Northwestern community. Chicago police announced today that seven people shot in a suburb over the weekend were the mother, brother, three sisters, aunt, and uncle of the killer. 23-year-old Romeo Nance later fatally shot himself with a confrontation with Texas police, and a motive has yet to be determined. After last night's New Hampshire Republican primary, the path to the presidency is looking tougher for Nikki Haley. She performed better in last night's caucuses than she did in Iowa, but her opponent, former President Trump, already has significant momentum in the next slated primaries in Nevada and South Carolina. In a rally, Haley vowed to head off a, quote, coronation of Trump as the 2024 Republican nominee. The Oscar nominations were announced yesterday. Among the highlights were 13 nominations for 2023 film Oppenheimer, alongside some of the other Best Picture nominations, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, and Barbie. But Academy fans are more interested in who didn't make the cut, especially Margot Robbie being left off the list for Best Actress in Barbie. Both Ryan Gosling and America Ferreira from Barbie were nominated for Best Supporting Actor and Actress, respectively. New trials in China show that gene therapy could give kids born with deafness the ability to hear. A small study published today says five of the six kids treated had significantly restored hearing, and a study earlier this month showed similar results in two other children. Scientists say similar treatments could someday help kids with many other hereditary conditions as well. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on X at WNUR News and Instagram at WNUR News 893. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Jesse Chen, and our reporters are Jessica Watts, Ella Barnes, Basil Free, and Izzy Perea. I'm Brandon Condritz. Catch our next newscast on Friday, January 6th, 26th, excuse me, at 6 p.m. on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago. Now, back to scheduled programming. Have a great night.